10 Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are here for the 2021 midseason review. Before we get started, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to follow wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple or Google or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We should be there. Look up Big Ten Football Talk. Leave a review. Uh, leave, a, leave a rating. We would love to hear your feedback. We're going to do a, something a little different. I've been talking about this for the past few weeks, doing a mid-season review. And I thought it would be fun just to kind of look back at some of the things that, that we, we talked about in the beginning of the season uh, to see, okay, what, what was right? What has gone sideways? And then we're going to talk a little bit about my Big Ten projection going forward, my playoff picks, Heisman, and then we're, we're also going to do some a, a few fun things as well, including probably one of my personal favorites, my apologies because of how badly I've mispronounced your name. I used to give a lot of, just a lot of junk to announcers for mispronouncing names i'm like how can you not know the name come to find out when you start a podcast and you're covering 14 teams plus a bunch of other teams outside the conference it's really easy to mess up names and so i'm going to offer some apologies but not yet not yet i want to start with reviewing what i thought was going to happen this season and what has 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 already happened so I'm going to start by telling you and showing you what I thought the initial projection of the Big Ten was going to be. And so let me take you to the West and then I'll go to the East. I thought the West was going to start, uh, it, the, the last place team was going to be Nebraska at three and nine, one and eight in the conference. I thought Illinois was going to be sixth, four and eight, two and seven in the conference. I thought Wisconsin would be five at six and six, four and five in the conference. Minnesota at four at seven and five, and four and five in the conference. I had Northwestern at three at nine and three, six and three in the conference. Purdue second, nine and three, seven and two. And then I had Iowa 11 and one, eight and one in the conference. That's where I had the West. Where they are currently, uh, right now, Northwestern is dead last, so good job by me, completely whiffing on that. Nebraska is currently sixth at three and four, one and three in the conference. Illinois, by virtue of the tiebreaker between them and Nebraska, is fifth. They are two and five, one and three in the conference. Wisconsin is fourth. They're two and three, one and two in the conference. Purdue's third, three and two one and one in the conference. Minnesota is also three and two, one and one in the conference with the tiebreaker over Purdue. And of course, Iowa, the number two team in the country, six and oh, three and oh in the conference. So let me, let me just share a few thoughts on those records and that order. My, my first thought is the West is not nearly as competitive as I thought it would be at the top. Iowa is clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the West. And I, I called Iowa. I thought Iowa was going to win this division. 
And unless if particularly Minnesota or Purdue really turns it around, I don't see any way that another team comes up and gets Iowa. I, I guess Wisconsin, if they went out, but I, I just don't think Wisconsin has the quarterback play to do that. I am baffled by Northwestern. I think that's been well-documented. They have just been a, a complete dumpster fire. Uh, very surprised by that. Although they did lose probably their best player in Rashawn Slater to the draft. So really surprised by that, really surprised how ineffective their defense has been. Nebraska at six, I actually think they look like they're turning a corner. I, I still don't buy Scott Frost and I still don't buy Adrian Martinez. So I'm going to share my, my full season projection in a moment, but I, I really could see Nebraska going either way. I could see Nebraska finishing the year above 500, or I could see Nebraska losing the next three or four out of five games. And I could see them making a bowl game. I could see them missing a bowl game. Illinois is, I think, going to finish either sixth or seventh. They just look hapless. Their offense is going nowhere. Uh, I thought Brandon Peters would be better. I think he's, he's struggling with injury still. Art Sitkowski, you know, he's, he's okay, but he's not going to be a great, a great solution. And they just, they just don't have talent right now. And that's what we thought. So they're fifth. They're probably going to finish either sixth and seventh. Wisconsin, again, I, I, I just have not been very high on. And then Purdue and Minnesota, they're both, they're second and third, but there's just not a lot of data on either of those teams yet. I think Purdue looks much worse than I thought they would with two of, I, th I think, the best players in the conference in David Bell and George Karloftis. And Minnesota, you know, they're second right now by virtue of the tiebreaker, but they lost to Bowling Green. How good are they really? Especially without Mo Ibrahim. Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know what that's going to be like. So the West is kind of a mess, except for Iowa. Comparatively, the East. So Rutgers is currently last at 0-3. They're 3-3 and overall. Uh, I had Rutgers sixth, uh, but they're seventh in the East right now. Indiana is sixth at 2-3, 0-2 in the conference. They, are, they were third in my initial project, projection. Maryland is fifth at four and two, one and two in the conference. I had them fourth. Penn State is currently fourth at five and one, two and one in the conference. And I, I have them second. And then Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan are all tied for first, although Ohio State is five and one, and Michigan and Michigan State six and oh. The obvious surprise here is Michigan State and Michigan, because I had them in the bottom half of that division. I had Michigan fifth, Michigan State seventh. Michigan State, man, is – they could lose the rest of their games, and Mel Tucker should be the coach of the year. That dude's coaching his butt off. He's got a competent offense. He has a semi-adequate defense. You know, Panashuk, he, he's having a good season. It's four and a half sacks. You know, they've, they've got a good team. You know, they're ranked in the top 10. And even if they just go 500 and make a bowl, Mel Tucker easily, easily should be coach of the year. And if they give it to Kirk Ferentz, I love Kirk Ferentz, they, they, they should give it to Mel Tucker. He has been incredible 
to to go six and zero to start the season. And Jim Harbaugh, you know, a lot of people are not not fans of Jim Harbaugh. They think that he's an overrated coach. Listen, I I get that, and you know, he doesn't have a win over Ohio State. He struggled against Michigan State, but Jim Harbaugh, I I continue to feel like he is given a bad rap. He took over a team that was trending in the wrong direction. They had two really bad coaches and Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. They, I think they only had, I think they had two seasons where they had eight wins or more in those seven seasons. That's, that's, you know, incredible compared to what Jim Harbaugh has done. He's really reestablished that brand and he's made them competitive in a league that honestly has gotten so much better since Jim Harbaugh has come in. So, I mean, remember from 2007 to 2013, the conference was a joke. And now you know, there's five teams in the top 10. So I think Jim Harbaugh is doing a great job. Um, obviously, Ohio State has rebounded and Penn State, uh, I think, has a really great shot to, to still be in this division and win this division so gonna be a really fun race to the top with the big 10 east uh whereas the big 10 west feels like it's probably over already but we'll see we'll see uh let me let me share with you my projected finish for where where we're at i'm gonna start in the west uh last i'm moving northwestern to last i don't think they're gonna win a game in the big 10 uh, the, the one exception might be Illinois, uh, but I've got Northwestern finishing two and 10, 0 and nine in the conference with Illinois finishing right above them, three and nine, two and seven in the conference. I, I just think those two teams are, they're just weaker than everybody else. You know, they don't have the talent that everybody else has. And it, it, it's nothing to do with coaching because I think Pat Fitzgerald and, and Brett Bielema, I think they're going to get their programs right. You know, we see this with Northwestern almost every other year. And Illinois, I, I think, just is going to take some time to rebuild. Purdue, I have fifth at four and eight, two and seven in the conference. I, You know, I think there's quarterback issues. I, I just, you know, after seeing them struggle against Illinois, seeing them lose to Minnesota, just a lot of indecisiveness on the offense. I just think Purdue is is probably not where I thought they were going to be. I had them nine and three. I think they're they're probably more of a, a of a bowl that they're not going to be a bowl team this year. I don't think. Uh, Minnesota, I have fourth at six and six, four and five in the conference, and I think they have some winnable games on the schedule. You know, they they play Maryland, they play Northwestern, they play Illinois. Uh, even the game against Wisconsin, I think could be winnable. I, I think ultimately they, they get a few of those wins. Um, and then I've got Wisconsin at seven and five. I don't buy their quarterback situation. I don't love their offense, but I really, really do like their defense. I think their defense is nasty and in a, in a division, where you don't have to face a lot of good quarterback play and a lot of talented offenses. I think Wisconsin can come up and get somebody. Then watch out for the Wisconsin-Iowa game. Uh, Nebraska, I have second, finishing second in the division at seven and five, five and four. I think 
Nebraska and Wisconsin are two teams that could possibly get Iowa and Nebraska from a talent perspective might be the second best team in the West from a talent perspective. Again, I'm putting a lot of stock in their talent and how they have gelled, seeing them play Oklahoma, Michigan, and Michigan state. I would not be surprised if they finish four and eight or five and seven, but I've got them seven and five, five and four in the conference finishing second. And then I have Iowa at 11 and one, eight and one in the conference. I I think they are going to drop one game just because their offense it's good. Spencer Petrus makes big time throws. He made a big time throw against Penn state, right? As much as I've, I've given them junk for struggling against Penn state. Uh, I, they, they deserve credit for that win. And Spencer Petrus deserves a lot of credit as does Tyler Goodson for making the plays when they needed to make them. And that defense is nasty. It is a nasty defense. And I think unless if you have an elite offense, that defense will get after you. It'll make you pay. Uh, You know, they do a good job of getting the quarterback out of the game. They've done that in several games, whether it be because of injury or because they just make the quarterback look bad, but they're inconsistent. They're inconsistent on offense. And so I think a team like Nebraska, a team like Wisconsin, you know, they could, they could, play keep away and be able to to sneak one out so i i just don't think iowa is going to be able to finish a uh, 12 and 0 i could be completely wrong i i i'm putting a little stock that i think because their inconsistency like we saw with colorado state and kent state that iowa could struggle uh in one of those games and drop one that we don't expect even honestly maybe even against purdue this week um this is going to come out before that game so we'll see. Maybe Purdue gets them. But I do think Iowa goes 11-1. and one. They'll still be in playoff consideration by the time they get there. Let me, let me shift over to the East. Uh, I've got Rutgers finishing last at 5-7, and 2-7 seven, and seven in the conference. Rutgers has a possibility of, of getting bowl eligible. They play Northwestern this week. They get Illinois. And then they, they play Maryland, Indiana, and Wisconsin. And I think those are all winnable games. I just don't think Rutgers has the talent quite yet, particularly on offense. You know, Noah Vedral, he, he's a guy, you know, he's, you know, he can make some plays with his legs, but he's limited as a passer. I think the defense has been exposed quite a bit with Michigan state and, and Ohio state in particular. Um, but I think, you know, I say five and seven and two and seven in the conference. That's assuming they lose to Maryland and Indiana. I'm not, I'm not sure they lose those games that definitively, but I, I, I think I would lean towards them losing those games right now, because I think Rutgers as good as their defense is, I don't think it's as good as Indiana's and I'm not sure their defense can hold Rakeem Jarrett and those boys uh, and Tylen Fleet Davis. And I, I think Talia Tungavailoa, I think he's had a couple of mediocre to bad games. He's better than he's, he's showed against Ohio state and Iowa. So I've got Rutgers five and seven, uh, two and seven in the conference. I've Maryland five and seven and two and seven in the conference as well, owning the tiebreaker over Rutgers, but I don't have them getting bowl eligible either. 
I've just seen this movie too many times where Maryland starts strong and then they blow it. So I, I only have them winning one other game this year, and that's the Rutgers game. I would love to be wrong uh, on that, but I, especially without Dante Demas, I, I don't know if Maryland's going to be able to keep pace, especially if you look at their schedule. Uh, they play Minnesota. That's a winnable game. They play Indiana. That's a winnable game. And then they finish with Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. I don't think they win any of those. And then they get Rutgers. And so I could see, I see a pathway for six and six, seven and five, similar to Rutgers, but I just don't trust them right now with how, how they looked against Ohio state, how they looked against Iowa. I don't know if I trust them. I don't know if I trust their coach, Mike Loxley. So I've got them at five and seven, Indiana fifth at six and six, four and five in the conference. I think Tom Allen is too good to let this team not go to a bowl. I think Tom Allen, he's going to get that team right. I think they're going to, they're going to get right on defense. Um, I'm interested to see how they do against Michigan state uh, this, this week, Uh, but they've got a tough stretch here with Michigan state and Ohio state at home. I don't think they get either of those games, but they get Maryland, they get, uh, and then after Michigan, they get Rutgers, Minnesota, and Purdue. I think you can make a case that they're better than all those teams and will beat, beat all those teams. So I, I've got them, I've got Indiana at six and six, four and five, and then you get the gauntlet of top 10 teams. So I have Michigan State fourth at nine and three, six and three in the conference. I, I like Michigan State. I just think they're the weakest of the four. Um, I, they still don't have the talent that Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State have. Penn State, I have third at nine and three, six and three in the conference with the tiebreaker over Michigan State. If you had asked me even a few days ago what I thought would happen with Penn State, I would say that they'd be the second team in the conference or maybe even the first team or first, second team in the division, maybe even first. The injury to PJ Mustafer scares me. He's out for the season. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with Sean Clifford, but if Clifford doesn't come back or he's struggling with injury, it looked like a shoulder injury. That scares me because part of Penn State's success was accuracy and throwing the football. I thought, I thought Clifford, while he still struggles with accuracy a little bit, he was playing so much better than he's played the past couple of years. And if he can't be at that same level, I think that's going to be a tough task for him to, to play Ohio State and Michigan and get wins against those teams. Penn State goes to Ohio State and they they host Michigan, uh, and then they go to Michigan State. So I I think they beat Michigan State, but I just I just don't know if Penn State can manage getting uh, getting over the hump if if they have those injuries. Jaquan Brisker has been battling injury all year, so I, that that that's a concern for me. Uh, so Penn State third. I've got Michigan second at 11 and one, eight and one in the conference. I, I hesitate to put Michigan here, but I think their running game is really, really good. And because of the injury issues at Penn state, I'm just not, I'm not sure that Penn state gets it done against Michigan this year because of those injuries. Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins have been really good. Aiden Hutchinson 
has been a superstar, one of the best defensive players uh, that I've seen this year. Um, I do think they lose to Ohio State, and I have Ohio State finishing first, nine and zero in the conference, eleven and one. I I am nervous about Ohio State's game. I'm nervous about all of Ohio State's games with Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, I think all of them can beat Ohio State. I also think the game at Nebraska is tricky because Ohio State plays Penn State the week before, then they go to Nebraska, and it, it follows a familiar pattern, you know, going back to Urban Meyer's last couple of years as the head coach. They went to Iowa and then they went to Purdue. Uh, the Iowa game was right after, uh, right after a big win against uh, Penn State, and they got 55 hung on them. And then the uh, the following year, they went to Purdue, and their defense was struggling, and they lost 49 to 20. And Nebraska has playmakers. They have Toure as at wide receiver. Adrian Martinez is dynamic, and so I'm I'm not saying that they're going to lose. I, I have them winning that game. But all I'm saying is my projection that Ohio State will finish number one in the East, it's by no means a slam dunk. I think Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all have a real shot to win the division. I think Michigan State is, is going to come back to earth a little bit, but still have a lot of respect for Michigan State. But I think Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, I think that's going to be a fascinating race. Uh, October 30th is going to be such a big day for the Big Ten because you've got Ohio State hosting Penn State and then you've got Michigan uh, hosting, no, uh, Michigan State hosting Michigan. And that's going to tell us a lot about those four teams moving forward. So that's going to be a great day. Uh, I'm going to be at a conference that weekend and I am going to have to just not not pay attention to the games for a day and then come back on Sunday and just kind of watch both of those games uh, from start to finish. I'm really excited for those games. Uh, let me take a quick break and then we will get back to a few different things we're going to do. We're going to, I'm going to offer my apologies and then we're going to talk uh, top 10 big 10 players, Heisman trophy playoff rankings. And then I want to talk lastly about there, there's a, I, I want to, I've been realizing I've been doing the podcast. I often will talk about a team uh, very highly. And then I will in the next breath, talk about them not so highly. And I was recognizing I have two very different perspectives and lenses that I look at teams through. And I think it'd just be helpful to describe that. Uh, but we're going to talk about that, all that and more as we come back to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I want to offer some apologies to some folks. First off, I would like to apologize to Tyler Linderbaum because I kept saying your name is Lindenbaum. And I have besmirched the greatest center I think in the country and I have said his name wrong several times on this show and I want to get the record straight that his name is Tyler Linderbaum also I would like to apologize to Talon Fleet Davis not Tyler Fleet Davis is that the Ohio State game Ohio State Maryland 
game this weekend. And all of a sudden I, I keep hearing this name, Taylor Fleet Davis, Taylor Fleet Davis. And I'm like, oh no, I kept saying Tyler. So I am sorry, Taylor. I, I, you are, you're really good. You're a great running back for the Terps. I apologize to you. I want to apologize to Arnold Ebicati, who I pronounced his name Abikate in week one. And some Penn State friends of the podcast, namely Chris Ebersol, how you doing? He's like, that's not how you pronounce his name. And so Ebicati, Arnold, you've been great for the Nittany Lions. And I want to get the record straight that that's how you pronounce your name. And then Dante Demas, I don't know how, how I messed this one up, but I said Deontay Demas the other day. Dante, I am sorry, brother. You are a stud. I hope you get well. I hope you're, you're ready uh, to, to get back on the field next year. Uh, you're a stud. Heck of a wide receiver for the Terps. Uh, I, I, I'm saying this somewhat seriously, but I don't know about you guys. It drives me up a wall when I'm listening to a broadcast and they cannot get the names right of the players that I know, right? So I know how to pronounce most of the Ohio State players, but then some of the other guys, uh, we just don't, you know, they, they don't, I have no idea how to pronounce them. And I don't want to hold a double standard. So like I've roasted so many people uh, over the years when they called Cardale Jones, Cordell. as like, it's clearly Cardale. Like C-A-R, car, D-A-L-E, Dale. Like it's Cardale Jones. But, you know, now that I'm doing this and I'm broadcasting and, and podcasting, man, I, I, I ask for forgiveness to all the broadcasters that have roasted over the years. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys do some great work. One other name, uh, Mo Ibrahim. I, I, I said Mo Ibrahim. Uh, I should not be mispronouncing his name. That guy's a stud. Also, I hope he gets better. I hope he, uh, he wreaks havoc in the NFL next year as he recovers from that Achilles injury. I want to talk briefly about my top 10 players. I haven't really done this on the pod, but I want to talk about my, my top 10 players. And, and I'll be honest, this was a very hard list and I'm probably going to get a name wrong in this. Uh, but I, I, I tried to do a couple of things. One is I looked at statistics. I looked at some midseason All-American lists. And I, w- I went by a lot of what I've seen over the past several weeks. And so I have not been able to pay as much attention to every team. So I'll, I'll be upfront. If you're the best player on your team may not be represented. And I just want to... Uh, just offer condolences. Uh, there's a couple players I'm thinking of uh, off the top that I don't have on here, but probably deserve to be on the list. One is Dante Dimas from Maryland. Another is Trayson Potts from Minnesota. Trayson Potts has been really, really good uh, for um, for Minnesota in relief of uh, Mo Ibrahim. Mo, Mo Ibrahim, I just did it again. I'm sorry, brother. Uh, He's been really, really good in relief there. Uh, obviously, David Bell at Purdue, George Karloftis, they've been great. Uh, but, I, I, you know, David Bell hasn't had as much time. He, he got hurt. And Karloftis hasn't made as much of an impact as I thought he would. So 
those would be some guys on the on the outside looking in. Uh, Panashuk, uh, Jacob Panashuk from Michigan State's another guy that I, I would say probably it deserved a lot of consideration on this list. So that, those are some guys that I left off. Um, let me give you my top 10. And I tried to rank them in order. My, my number 10 pick uh, is Samori Toure from Nebraska. He's been one of the, the main highlights of that Nebraska offense. And he's got some speed. He's got serious skill. He makes them a much more explosive team. Uh, I think he's in the top five of receiving yards in the conference. And has just been a, a dynamic weapon for that Cornhusker attack. Number nine, I have Jahan Dotson, the Penn State wide receiver who has been the do-everything guy. Obviously, him and Parker Washington have been uh, just an, an amazing tandem. But Dotson is, is the bell cow at receiver there. He is really, really good. Uh, I really, really appreciated him uh, as a player and as a wide receiver. Number eight is C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback. He's really turned it on the past couple of weeks, and I think he's just going to get better and better and better. Number seven, Jaquan Brisker at safety, the Penn State safety. The, the, the guy's a stud, and I, I can't believe he's this low on my list because, and honestly, I can't believe that Jahan Dotson is this low on my list. I just even realized as I'm reading this list, uh, list off, I can't believe I don't have Travion Henderson on this list, but... I think he'll be on it by the end of the season. Jaquan Brisker, man, is a stud, and he's a warrior on the field. I love watching him play at safety. Uh, and it was a warrior again against Iowa, made some big-time plays, you know, was playing hurt. So Jaquan Brisker, I've got it seven. Tyler Linderbaum, this might be a little low for him too, but he's the center for Iowa. You know, he does the dirty work. You don't notice him, but – he has been excellent, probably the best center in the country. Number five, I have Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. And again, another guy I don't have on the list is Chris Olave. Uh, I think Garrett Wilson has been a, a touch better. He's, he has more receiving yards. He has more receptions. He's just much more explosive, too. And, and Chris Olave has really grown as an explosive receiver. but. You know, Garrett Wilson, I, I say this knowing that I might get roasted for this comparison. I almost feel like he's becoming like a mini uh, Calvin Johnson in, in the sense of his body control, his, his ball skills, his route running, his speed and explosiveness. I'm not saying he is Calvin Johnson. He's nowhere near his size, right? But he's he has got some real explosiveness to him and, and real speed. And, you know, his, his body control is, is second to none right now in the country. I have Matt Hankins at four, who is the other cornerback at Iowa. I, I often talk about Riley Moss, but I think the, the best defensive back on that team is Matt Hankins from Iowa, the cornerback. Uh, he has three interceptions himself patrols that that secondary really really well um and that 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 whole back seven is nasty um for for the hawkeyes speaking of that back seven number three jack campbell from iowa the linebacker he makes everything go 
you know, he is the guy that provides pressure uh, and, and forces a, a lot of stuff, a lot of interceptions. Uh, he forced the fumble, I believe, against Brees Hall in that Iowa State game. Really good player. Heart and soul, that defense. Number two is Aiden Hutchinson, the, the Michigan edge rusher. Boy, he has been disruptive this year. He has been a force. And I think probably is going to end up being the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, if I had to guess. If he continues to play at this clip, uh, he will be the defensive player of the year, I think. And then number one is Kenneth Walker. Michigan State running back. Remember, I think in the pilot episode or week one, I said, you know, Michigan State got this transfer, Kenneth Walker. I don't think he's going to do much. Boy, was I wrong about that. Kenneth Walker, man, is, is really, really good. He has been the heart and soul of that Michigan State attack. He has made them a really good football team. And I am excited to see what Kenneth Walker does as the competition increases with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. How well does he run against some some harder, more difficult fronts? That's my top 10. There's a lot of guys I left off. You know, Chris Olave, Trevion Henderson, uh, Denzel Burke, uh, the defense, a freshman defensive back for Ohio State, Jair Brown, Joey Porter Jr. I mean, I, I could have, I probably could have had a top 25, but I went with a top 10. And so I'm sure I left somebody off that you think should be on this list and my condolences. Uh, let's go into the, the Heisman trophy because I think this is where I'm going to get a lot of pushback, but right now I have, I have a top seven in the Heisman trophy race. Uh, Kenneth Walker, obviously, I think actually Kenneth Walker might be the number one guy right now because everyone else they're, they're on a team that's lost. Uh, I think Kenneth Walker has been pretty consistent, leads the nation in rushing, has over 900 yards, has 10 total touchdowns. Second, I have Bijan Robinson, uh, who has close to 800 rushing yards, has 10 total touchdowns, probably the best pure running back in the country. Number three, I have Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, 1,300 yards passing in only five games, 12 and t- uh, 12 touchdowns to two interceptions has three rushing touchdowns and has the a big win over Notre Dame uh, has him I think right now maybe on track for the playoff Bryce Young at four I know they just lost to Texas A&M I think it's you know he's still been really really good over 1700 yards passing 20 touchdowns to just three interceptions and he's doing it without the cast receivers that Mac Jones had last year Jamison Williams has been really good and John Mechie is good, but they are not the same weapons that Alabama is accustomed to over the past few years. So Bryce Young four, I've Matt Corral at five. I know they lost to Bama a couple weeks ago, but he's still fantastic. Has around 1500 yards passing 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and then eight rushing touchdowns. So he's been a threat with his legs, a threat throwing the ball. He, uh, has mastered that offense. And so I think he's fifth and then sixth and seventh. I have CJ Stroud and Travion Henderson. CJ Stroud has 1700 yards passing 18 touchdowns to three interceptions. And Travion Henderson has 700 and a close to 700, 760 yards of total offense 
and 11 total touchdowns. That's more than Robinson and Walker. They both have 10 and he's averaging 8.7 yards per carry. And so I, and here's the thing. I think, I, I think CJ Stroud's going to win the award. And as, particularly if Ohio state runs the table, the rest of the way. Now, if Ohio state loses another game, it's probably not going to be CJ Stroud. It'll probably be Bryce young, or maybe, maybe Kenneth Walker, Bijan Robinson gets, gets the nod. Uh, maybe even Desmond Ritter, if he gets his team to the playoff, but I think CJ Stroud has the best opportunity. He's going to put up lots of numbers. He's got a running back that he can throw to, which pads his stats a little bit. He's got three receivers that maybe might be top 15 receivers in all of college football in Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson. And he's going to have highlight games. He's going to have three, three teams that are at least in the top 25 by the time he plays them. A fourth with uh, Iowa, if, if they reach the Big Ten championship game and, and get to play Iowa. And so I think, unlike some of the other players, you know, I think Bryce Young has as much of an opportunity, you know, if he lights up teams and then beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, I think Bryce Young could easily take the mantle as well. But CJ Stroud has way more spotlight games coming up. And there's a narrative with him where he struggled early, he was benched a game, and then came back and, you know, say he averages three to 300 to 350 yards a game, throws three to four touchdowns a game against Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. I think that's a pathway for Stroud to win the Heisman. And right now it's a wide open race. So he's not competing against a Trevor Lawrence or uh, a Justin Fields or a Joe Burrow or a you know, an Oklahoma quarterback, you know, Spencer Rattler just got benched and I don't think Caleb Williams can come from behind as not starting to be able to win that, uh, to win the award. So I, I think there's a pretty wide open race. I think Stroud, if, if he, if Ohio state wins out, I think Stroud wins it. Um, other, if Ohio state doesn't win out, I think it's maybe Bryce young or Desmond Ritter, or maybe one of the running backs can sneak in, even if they're not a, a national title favorite. Who makes the playoff? So real quick, my playoff rankings before the season, I had Ohio State 1, Texas A&M 2, Oklahoma 3, Georgia 4. I was laughing at myself about Texas A&M until they beat Alabama last week. Texas A&M has talent, but they're clearly not going to make the playoff. They're out. Uh, unless if the SEC craters, which I don't think is going to happen. I've got Georgia at 1, either at 13-0 and 0 or 12-1. and 1. Um, this season, I'm just no longer assuming that teams are going to run the table. Like, I think, I think Iowa's going to blow one. I think Oklahoma's going to blow one. And I would not even be surprised if Georgia blows one, you know, Tennessee is looking a little, a little good. Um, you know, they have to play Kentucky this week. They, uh, Georgia has to play Florida. Uh, you know, I think about it. I think Georgia might've played Tennessee already. I, I, I forget. But I, I'm just not convinced that Georgia is going to make it just because as good as Georgia is, I, you know, I still don't trust their offense nearly enough. You know, Stetson Bennett is, you know, he's all right, but do they get JT Daniels back? I still think they'll be the number one seed if they, if they go 12 and one and win the SEC. 
At number two, again, I think Ohio State's going to run the table. And with their schedule, they would be the number two seed. Even, even if Oregon wins out, I just don't see how you will put an Ohio State team that has racked up four top 25 wins, maybe, maybe even top 15 wins, uh, to finish the season with that offense. I just don't know how you, you would keep them out. I also don't think Oregon's going to win out the rest of the way. I think they're going to lose at least another uh, one more one more game, especially with C.J. Verdell out. I've got Oklahoma three at 12 and one. I think Oklahoma is going to drop one, but I don't think it's going to matter much. I think they run the table, or I think they, they lose one and they'll win the rest of their games. They win the Big 12. They're, they're at three, which sets up, I think, a really fun matchup with Ohio State and Oklahoma. And then number four, because Alabama lost, and I think it, it sets this up, Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati gets the, gets the four spot because I don't think Wake Forest is going to remain undefeated. They struggled with Syracuse this past week. I don't think they're going to hold up. So I don't think the ACC will get anybody in. I don't think Notre Dame's going to get in. Obviously, Notre Dame won't get in because Cincinnati beat them. I don't think anyone from the Pac-12 is going to get in. You know, if you have to debate between a Pac-12 one-loss champ and Cincinnati, I think that's actually a very intriguing question, right? Because, you know, especially if it's not Oregon. If it's Oregon, I think Oregon will get the nod. But if it's Arizona State, like who is Arizona State played? And Arizona State lost to BYU, who just lost to Boise. So do you put Arizona State in? Do you put Cincinnati in? I would be inclined to put Cincinnati in. And it, it sets up a rematch between Georgia and Cincinnati from last year's bowl game, which was very, very close. And Cincinnati almost won. So I think that's a compelling playoff. So we'll see if that happens. A lot of things have to go certain ways for that to happen. Alabama's got to lose in the SEC championship game or one more. And I'm not entirely convinced that that's going to happen. I think there's a real, real chance that Alabama could run the table and beat Georgia. And at that point, I think Alabama would be the number one seed and Georgia would be the three and Oklahoma would get bounced to four, but we'll see. Well, and you know, Cincinnati has to run the table first too, and that's not guaranteed. So that's, that's my playoff predictions with Georgia versus Ohio State in the national championship game. I'm going to round this out, this midseason review, with just uh, I want to give you some context in terms of the lens that I look in. Particularly, this is a Big Ten-centric podcast, but I look nationally as well. And that becomes difficult because in one breath, I will say, I think Rutgers is improving. Rutgers is a good example. Rutgers is improving. I think they're going to they're going to be competitive in some games. I think they're getting good on defense. But that's good in the context of big of the Big 10. Right? Like they can compete with some of the some of the teams in the Big 10 like a Purdue, like a uh, a Maryland, like a Michigan State perhaps or a an Illinois, a Northwestern. But let's be honest. Rutgers compared to the top 25 Rutgers is not good compared to that. And if you're a Rutgers fan, I, I apologize. I love Rutgers and I love what Greg Shiano is doing. Like what he has done with that program in the past two years in the midst of COVID is nothing short of remarkable. But there's a difference between 
the context of the Big Ten versus the context nationally. Which brings me to Iowa, and I think this is where I, I want to end here. I love Iowa. And I know it may not seem like that from the past week or so, because I've, you know, I gave Iowa an asterisk and I said, they won, kind of, and they're going to get roasted in the Big Ten championship game, which sounds like I'm roasting Iowa and I'm saying that they're not good. I think Iowa's really good in the context of the big 10 as a whole. Like I think Iowa is probably the, the second or third best team in terms of personnel. And that I think for a conference that has five teams in the top 10, like that's really good. It's really good. Um, I think if Iowa played Georgia next week, I think Iowa would get beat by three or four touchdowns. I think if Penn state, played Georgia next week, they probably lose by two or three touchdowns. I think if Michigan played Georgia next week, it, it would not be pretty. And that's the only team o- over the years that has really been able to, to hold up. And this hasn't even been true of, of Ohio State every year, but the, they've been the only team that has really been able to hold up from a national good perspective or nationally national elite perspective you know ohio state beat alabama in 2014 they beat clemson in 2020 they were stride for stride with clemson in 2019 and so you know when we're talking about elite nationally versus elite in the big 10 it is very different now does that mean that i don't want to see iowa in the big 10 or in the playoff no because i i am all about uh giving access to teams to the playoff. I want to expand the playoff because I think that's actually going to help parity down the road. But I think Iowa against Ohio state on a neutral field, you know, on, if, if both teams play their best, Ohio state is going to win handily. Now, the beautiful thing about football is it's every given Saturday, Ohio state may come in and lay a stinker, Right. You know, four years ago, they went into Iowa City and lost 55 to 24. There's no way that Iowa had better, like overall better personnel, right? But they had some guys. They had some dudes at tight end. You know, they had, they had a quarterback. Their defense was good. And they turned JT Barrett over a bajillion times because that's what they do, right? And so do I think that Iowa can beat Ohio State? absolutely do i think iowa could run the table and get to the playoff absolutely the problem is when you get to the playoff two two things are a a problem one is there is more time to rest which gives more time for film study to study tendencies which means that talent whoever has more talent it, it begins to uh become a bigger factor so that's one the second thing is Iowa is not going to have the advantage of knowing how to prepare for the playoff like other teams have. So if they play Georgia or they play Oklahoma, that's going to be, that's going to be tough. And so how do you prepare a team for that? So I think that's, you know, the context of good in the conference versus good in the national sphere is different. And I'm often looking at teams in two different lenses and so if, if, 
you feel like I'm schizophrenic or you feel like, oh man, I, I feel like he's really selling Iowa short. I, I want you to understand I'm often talking and flipping lenses that I'm looking through. Sometimes I'm looking through the Big Ten lens and I, I would tell you Iowa's defense is nasty. And every, te- every team in the conference, including Ohio State, has to be prepared for that. And so by no means do I want to look, you know, look over Iowa or look over Penn State or look over Michigan. But there is a Big Ten context and then there's a national context. And often I, I'm flipping between both. I think at just after six weeks, and I know Ohio State has not played the best competition yet, except for Oregon. But I, I think if the trajectory that they are on, if they can reach their potential, I think they have a team that could be nationally elite. I'm not sure that's true of any other team in the Big Ten. But the big question, and it's an important question, is can Ohio State get there? And I'm not sure yet. You know, I think they can. You know, obviously, in my, in my predictions, I, I have them getting there. But you know what? They're young. They're inexperienced. And they have not played a schedule like they're about to face the next six weeks with a, a real Big Ten defense in Indiana, a real Big Ten defense in Nebraska, uh, a real Big Ten, all Big Ten pass rusher in George Karloftis, and then Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. So I think it's going to be a great, great second half of the season. I think it's going to be really fascinating. I am fully expecting that my playoff picks are going to be completely wrong. I, am, I will not be surprised at all if there's other surprises that happen uh, because it seems like it's that type of a season. So this has been the Big Ten Football Talk podcast mid-season review. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe, follow us, and leave a review. Thanks for listening. God bless.